Your faith is fake. You can't pray for people. God isn't pleased with you. You're alone. God doesn't hear you. You will always be this way. If you've heard or thought any of those things, then you're like me and 99% of the people around you. Those are lies from hell, and we think them all the time. It's not just you thinking that you're weird. No, I believe that that's the mission of hell, is to throw our minds off track. And if we can think that we aren't enough, that we can't pray for people, that we aren't forgiven, then we're paralyzed, and hell wins. I want everything that God has for me. I don't think that's a selfish thing to say, but everything God has for me starts with me believing the truth. And guess what? Hell doesn't win. Hell's defeated. Jesus already rose from the dead, it's finished, the end is written, and the church wins. That's you and me. We have to recognize these lies, tear them up, and start really believing the truth. There are some lies that you've been living with, and I do believe with all of my heart that God wants to get rid of them today. And not just get rid of them, but replace them with what he actually says about you and him. It is the will of God that we get rid of these lies and start believing and living in the truth. Now, there are a couple common lies that we all deal with. I'm going to talk about some of them right now, and as I read, and I speak, see what you resonate with. You aren't enough. You're guilty. God isn't pleased with you. You can't grow. You're all alone. You aren't really his son or daughter. You can't pray for someone. You aren't free. You don't have God's spirit in you. Your baptism didn't count. Your future is empty. This is too hard. God isn't worth it. Nobody loves you. You're a mistake. Your faith is fake. You're the only one struggling. The devil has power over you. Your worship isn't good enough. God remembers every sin. You are completely alone, you are not forgiven, you will lose, God can't use you, God doesn't hear you, and God doesn't love you. I just want to say that I hate the devil. Anyone that says those things to you is not of God. I've always heard preachers growing up, they always said, the devil's a liar. And here am I, never thought I'd be saying this on a podcast, but from that list and the thoughts we get bombarded with daily, the devil is a liar. Now, let's get to our scripture for today. This is coming from Luke 10. Uh, Jesus had appointed 72 people, and they were going into different cities. They were preaching, they were healing the sick, they were casting out demons. And Jesus said to them, he said, whoever hears you, hears me. And we get to Luke 10, 17, and it reads, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Then we get over to John, and this is John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I saw Satan fall like lightning. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and the truth will set you free. Keep these in the back of your mind as we continue talking today. Now I want to start by telling you a story. I want to tell you a story about a little boy. The story goes that a little boy lived on the outskirts of a village in a very wealthy kingdom. This kingdom had so many riches, they had a really great king, wonderful people, but like any town or any city, there were still some poor people there. The little boy worked on a farm for some poor people that he knew. He didn't grow up with family around because he was stolen at childbirth and sent away. The servant of the king did not like the king at all. He used to serve the king, but because he wanted too much power, the king kicked him out. While the little boy was an infant, the servant snuck in and took this boy and thought, I'll get back at the king by ruining his son, ruining his lineage and his heir. The king's servant was jealous of the king, and by nature he was jealous of the boy because he was next in line. He had legal right to what the king had. But the little boy, stolen and raised in the outskirts of town, was being raised and was told that he was a nobody, that no one loved him. But he was the king's son by legal right. That was his dad. He was constantly being told he was a servant, and he was forced to sleep with the pigs outside. The whole town saw him as a nobody and didn't treat him with any dignity. 
He would just work and get some food from the owners of the farm and that's it. He lived a terrible life. Orphaned, lonely, his reality was awful. But he was the king's son. He was the prince of the kingdom. He just didn't know it. He was living what he was told. He was living in a lie that the king's enemy created. The king would search and search for this boy all the time, sending out messengers to knock doors and ask if they've seen this boy. They identified him at birth as having a birthmark on his right knee. And one day, the boy was working in a field, and a messenger walked by and saw a birthmark on the boy's knee. They showed him the pamphlet saying, The king's son has a birthmark there. He's been missing for years. It's you. Confused and wondering how this could be, immediately they took the boy to the palace, showed the servants, and they all nearly lost it. They started jumping and running around, hugging him and saying, Welcome home, son. The prince had returned home. The king's enemy almost destroyed that boy. But he was a prince all along. He was just living in a lie created by his enemy. He was now living a joyful, love-filled, hopeful, peaceful, beautiful life with his father, the king, knowing that he was the king's son. The little boy became the little prince. He was the king's kid all along. Hell wants nothing more than for you to live like that little boy, out in the pig pen. Hell knows who you are, but its greatest task, hell's daily to-do list says, make them believe a lie, distract them, discourage them, feed them lies, take them out to a farm, disconnect them from the truth, don't let them discover who they are. Don't let them see the power they really have. If we can accomplish that, hell says, then we will really hurt their father. That will destroy his heart and destroy their lives. Today, I want to allow the truth to destroy some of the lies that we've been living with. I also want to kick the devil in the face and start exposing every lie that he's spoken to you over the course of your life. The devil can only lie and place thoughts. He knows the power of your mind. Imagine there's someone laying on the floor, that's the devil, and you're standing over top of the devil with your foot on his chest. And then there's somebody about five feet away from you. That person about five feet away from you, you realize that they're struggling with something. And so the spirit of God inside of you says, oh, I know someone that can help them with that. Jesus, I'm going to go talk to them. So you decide, I'm going to go talk to them, become their friend, share a little bit about your life story with them. That'll help them. You start walking over there and hell reacts. Don't you remember that sin from like two days ago? Don't you remember what you did or what you said or looked at the other day? Do you really think that you can help them? That God can use you? Can anybody relate to that voice? I'm sure you can because we've all heard it. Now, I have a question for you. Why are you in the church? Why do you pray? Why do you worship? Why are you listening to this podcast right now? Why do you go to services? Why do you give money? Why do you give your time? It's because we've recognized by God's grace and mercy and his love that we need help. We've all realized we have something separating us from him. We know he created us. Deep down, we all know it. And he's made us to know him. So he's done and is doing everything he can to bring us back. He loves us too much. So we're here today because we rely on him. His cross, we all need it. His love, we all need it. His mercy, we all need it. His body, this family, we all need it. We're in the church today because he is God, we're man, and we're a little messed up. We're needing a savior. We need a healer, a comforter, a guide, a king. And he's our God who became our savior. Jesus' name literally means Jehovah's Savior. That is why we're here today. Because we love him, and he loves us more than we can even understand. So, sin entered the scene, man disobeyed God's perfect design, his will, his plan, and don't be mistaken, it's not just us. There is an enemy of us being in a loving relationship with God and with each other. And we see this enemy's plan start in Genesis 3. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? Right there, the enemy started by twisting God's words and twisting his plan, trying to get humans to make the wrong decision. Lesson one right there, the enemy can't make you do anything. You have one of the greatest gifts ever. You have free will. 
But the enemy can lie to us and get us to think lies about ourselves and God. And ultimately, our wrong choice of believing those lies leads to living it, and that leads to separation between us and God. Verse 2, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So Eve listened to that lie, and then she acted on it. And she acted from what the voice said. The voice told her, he said, hey, it's all right, just do it. And it went against what God had told them. But it was so convincing that she said, that makes a lot of sense. That's not what my creator told me, but this feels good. I'm going to actually live this. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Could it be possible that we live with lies and sometimes don't even recognize it or realize it until it's brought to our attention? I can think of a couple different scenarios. One would be living with a dirty car, not realizing what you've been settling with. It's just so dirty and so dirty. I've lived with this before. And then you're just like, yeah, it works. Then you go for a car wash and you're like, oh my Lord, I've been living with this. Another example of this could be some white shoes. We've all had white shoes and you don't even realize how dirty they are until you compare them to new ones and you realize, my God, I've been wearing these every day. They look awful. But they didn't look awful until you saw the original design, the way the new ones looked straight from the store. Another example could be if you're living with a dirty room. Now, it's a good thing this is a podcast. I can't see your face, but you know who you are. If you have a dirty room, instead of cleaning it up and living in a clean room, you just get used to jumping over things, pushing aside some dirty socks, working your way through the room sideways. You're blind to what's actually happening in front of you. And it's not until your spouse or your mom comes in and says, what in the world happened in here? Please hear me through this podcast. Hear this in my voice as saying, what in the world happened here? There are some lies that we're living with. We shouldn't look like this. Some things are out of order. That lie got Adam and Eve to think, did God actually say blank? Just go for it. It can't be that bad. You'll be fine. So they believed it and lived it out. That is hell's number one tool. It's lying. I believe that God is ready to tear down some lies in your life. And as you continue listening, I believe that he does have angels with swords drawn. And they're ready to start ripping through some lies in your heart and your mind today. Now, in doing some research for this topic, I came across a book titled The Art of War. The Art of War is an ancient Chinese military book dating back to over 500 years before Jesus. The work, which is attributed to the ancient Chinese military strategist Sun Tzu, is made up of 13 chapters. Each one of these chapters is devoted to a different set of skills related to warfare and how it applies to military strategy and tactics. For almost 1500 years, this book, The Art of War, was the lead text for war generals and Chinese emperors. Now here's the interesting part. Only 20% of the book is offensive training. I know, surprising. The other 80% teaches commanders the importance of recognizing strategic opportunities in the weakness of your enemy and teaches to not create opportunities for your enemy. Its main focus is on studying your opponent, gaining as much information about the other side as possible, learning how they operate, what their tactics are, and being watchful. I'm proposing an art of war style for 2022. And I want to expose our enemy and kick him and his minions in the face a little bit. I want to be watchful. I want to live the life that God has planned for me. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be messed with. I'm reading my art of war every day, the word of God, to stay sharp. I want to live with joy. I want to see Jesus face to face one day. That to me is worth living for. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So, are you ready to study your enemy? Well, buckle up. Here we go. I'm doing it. His name is Lucifer. He was an angel created by God for worship. But Lucifer said, I'm going to be like God. That was the start of spiritual separation from God. 
It was the sin that started from disobedience to the beautiful plan of God for creation. Lucifer has nothing to do with truth, because there's no truth in him. When we say God is good, just like Pastor Koppel and Pastor Marco have said on Sundays, God is good, and that's his very nature. He isn't a good God, he is good. Any goodness we experience on this earth is because that's who he is. When God is good, he works goodness out of his own character. We experience here on earth just a glimpse of who he is. Do you feel love today? He's love. Do you feel peace? He's peace. That's why separation from him is hell, because literally all joy, love, peace, it all leaves. So when Lucifer, or the devil, he lies, he speaks out of his own character, because he's a liar, and he's called the father of lies. John 8:44 says, He, the devil, was murdered from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. I want to expose the devil a little bit more. Lucifer, as an angel of God, was full of wisdom. Now he's kicked out of heaven, but he's still wise. This dude literally watches humans for a living. Why do you think you have the same sins that you deal with over and over again? If you haven't ever smoked a cigarette, he's not going to tempt you with cigarettes. He watches what you struggle with. Even though we have the Spirit of God in us, we still struggle. Jesus said we would. The Holy Ghost gives you power over that struggle, but the devil will come every once in a while just to see if you're still living with that power of the Holy Ghost in you. You have to know where you've fallen. And you've got to be honest with yourself and real and say, I can't allow myself to get near that. I can't keep thinking like this. Lucifer was a spirit that was made perfect in beauty. He had emeralds and diamonds and sapphires all over him. He was a beautiful angel. And that's why he keeps lying to you saying that you aren't made in God's image. If God thinks you're beautiful, then believe it and stop caring what the devil whispers to you. The devil could whisper to you through someone else too. If they said you have no worth, the devil used them to try to get you thinking that. The Lord made you the way he wanted you. You are literally after his image. The angel Lucifer was the music of heaven. God created him for worship. He didn't just make music in heaven as part of his job. He was the music. I heard someone once say that when he would open up his mouth, the sound of music would literally just come out. He was practically a walking organ or a walking tambourine or a violin. He was music. Where he went, there was music. And when he was kicked out of heaven, music in heaven totally stopped. And it's up to us now to fill heaven and earth with music. That's why when our worship team leads us in music, it's so important. And especially even on days that aren't Sunday, it's important for us to listen to that music and to sing that out. And it's up to us now to fill heaven and earth with music. Why is it that when you've had a hard day, you come to the house of God and worship starts, music starts, and you start to raise your hands, you feel something, and a tear comes down your face? It's because heaven is responding to that beautiful sound of worship and music that left when Lucifer left. Heaven loves it. We're just experiencing a small little taste of heaven. Do you now have a better idea of who your enemy is? He's a deceiver. Revelation 12:9 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, I don't want to seem like I'm giving him glory. What I'm doing right now is I'm trying to set him up to give him a nice swift fall again and rip up his work. Now, I want to start moving into some practice. If you're driving, just keep thinking along with me. But if you're at home and you have a post-it note or a blank sheet of paper, get ready to write some things down as they come to your mind. I'm going to start calling out different lies. And as each of these gets spoken about, I want you to try to remember what you resonate with. What you're about to do is going to be worship. And this is going to set you up for the most amazing, love-filled, victory-filled, joy-filled year of your life. I keep saying it, but this year is going to be the most powerful year the people of God have ever seen on the face of the earth. We're going to see millions of people all over the earth pouring in. People are going to stop you on the street and say, what's different about you? Why are you glowing? Sick people are going to be healed when you pray for them. Dead people are going to be raised when you pray for them. This is going to start happening. I'm prophesying it right now. Now, you may be like, whoa, okay, dead people, really, dude, <laughs> slow your roll. But the disciples did it, and we're to do even greater things. So it's not that crazy. God's love might pour in through the ceilings and we may have to stop the music for a little bit and hit our face as he walks in and heals our hearts. We're gonna start talking to people in the park with people we don't even know. 
Our buildings are not even going to be able to contain God's plans. It is going to be so beautiful, but we need to be ready. Just like in our text from the beginning, when the 72 went out and they were preaching the kingdom of God, tearing up the lies of the devil, healing people, casting out demons, Jesus' response was this, I beheld Satan as lightning fall. And what we're about to do right now, we're going to see Satan as lightning fall because we're opening up his lies that have been spoken to you. And if I were the devil, here's what I would do. If I were the devil, I'd want you to think that you weren't enough. We're constantly whipping ourselves, making ourselves feel bad, and it's completely unmerited. We whip ourselves, but Jesus is remembering himself on the cross and thinking, but I already was whipped for you. He wants to take the whip out of your hand today. If I were the devil, I'd want you to feel guilty and try to love God out of condemnation and think that he bases his pleasure in you based on your works. God does not base his pleasure on you on how many souls are saved through you. God bases his pleasure on you by your worship. If you're condemned today, that is not of him, and he doesn't want you operating out of condemnation. If I were the devil, I'd want you to think that God was your taskmaster, just waiting for you to mess up so he could punish you or slap you. He is not your taskmaster. He is not ready to slap you. He is your friend. He is your father. His love for you is literally without measure. He knows your heart and he knows what you need. He wants to carry your burdens and not give you more. If I were the devil, I want you to think that this is all there is to this life, that your present state is all there is. That is a lie from hell. There are glories that we don't even know about. There are wonders we can't imagine. I'm waiting for the day that someone brings in a dead relative in through the front doors of our church and they walk out alive. I think it's gonna happen. God has such marvelous plans for each one of us that if he were to tell us all of them today, it would probably freak us out. And that's why he doesn't do it. If I were the devil, I'd want you to think that you're all alone. I'd want to get you all alone and take you out. Get you away from the crowd, isolate you, because when you're connected, it's a lot harder to take you out. If I were the devil, I'd want you to just be entertained. I want you to be entertained every second of your life. What is entertaining you today is not as powerful as your walk with God. In fact, it's probably draining your walk with God. If hell knows that getting you to scroll on your phone for five hours a day makes you not want to pray, then guess what? That's the goal. So you won't feel terrible about scrolling, but you'll scroll for five hours and not pray at all, and then you'll feel terrible afterwards. If I were the devil, I'd want you to think you aren't really his son that you don't have all the authority and legal right that he says you do. Nona Freeman was a missionary in various parts of Africa, and she had some help around the house while they lived there. These ladies would show up and they'd help her, and they'd have morning and afternoon tea every single day. But when they'd have their tea, they'd come up to her and they'd say, please ma'am, may we please have some milk for our tea? They would beg every single time, as if she wasn't gonna give the milk to them. After a while, she said, just go ahead and get the milk yourselves, but they wouldn't do it. One day, her son walked in from school, and it was like, there's nothing to it. He opened up the fridge, chugged the milk, put it back in, and got on his way. He knew that he was her son and he didn't have to beg to get some milk. It would have hurt her heart if he would have begged. Why? Because he was her son. I'm his son and I don't need to beg, God, please protect me today. God, can I talk to you today? God, I don't think I'm allowed to go pray for that person. We need to stop this thinking. You are his child. You have every legal right. He says that you are his. If I were the devil, I want you to think that you couldn't pray for someone, that you're doing it yourself and that it's not God through you. If I were the devil, I'd make you doubt your salvation, doubt your repentance, doubt your infilling, doubt your faithfulness, doubt your baptism. If I were the devil, I'd want you to focus on the church ministry team, our pastoral staff, and say, those are the ones working in the kingdom. I'm just another member. If I were the devil, I want you to think that your future doesn't hold as much as others have. If I were the devil, I want you to think that living with God is too hard and that it isn't worth it. If I were the devil, I'd want you to trust yourself more than God. If I were the devil, I'd want you to try to impress everyone that doesn't even know you, but push away everyone that loves you. If I were the devil, I'd want you to come to the house of God and watch, not participate. If I were the devil, I'd want you to take everything into your hands before praying. If I were the devil, I want you to focus more on ministry than on the relationship. If I were the devil, I want you to think that you were a mistake. If I were the devil, I'd want you to live two lives at the same time. 
Turn on your church mode when you walk into the house of God, but secretly love who you are more when you're with your other friends than when you're with the people of God. If I were the devil, I want you to doubt that your faith is the real deal. If I were the devil, I want you to think that you're the only one going through it. If I were the devil, I want you to think that I, the devil, know your every thought, your next move, and your future. I want you to think that I have power over you. If I were the devil, I want you to think that your praise isn't good enough. If I were the devil, I want you to think that you aren't being genuine. If I were the devil, I want you to think that God remembers every sin and he counts them daily. If I were the devil, I want you to think that God can't use you. If you have heard any of those in your mind, or had that thought pass through your brain, then I can confidently say you have literally heard from hell. They are all lies, every single one of them. They have no truth in them. Paul told the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 11.3, he said, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Jesus. Four main lies surfaced when I was studying all this. Lie number one is that he doesn't hear me. Let me use the word of God to cut that up. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Jeremiah 29.12 and 13 say, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 1 John 5.15 says, And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Lie number two is that he doesn't love me. I'm going to use scripture again to tear it up. Isaiah 54.10 says, Though the nations be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Do you realize today that you are being chased by the love of God every day? Literally from the moment you wake up till you go to bed, his love is chasing after you. Psalm 23.6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy follow you today. Line number three is that I'm alone. Deuteronomy 20 and 4 says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. Like we talked about before, a third of the angels fell from heaven. That means that two-thirds still remain. And Pastor has said this before on Sundays, but for every demon that attacks you, there are two angels that are for you. You also have the church. This is your built-in family. It's literally a gift from God. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And line number four is that I'm not forgiven. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His goodness and mercy, they come and find me because they're always following me. And his love wraps me in conviction. I turn from my sin and immediately, like a father putting a jacket on a kid, his blood covers you and says, you're forgiven. Jesus hears you. He loves you. You are not alone. You are forgiven. Is anybody else a little bit mad at the enemy for his lies? I feel a little righteous anger inside of me saying enough is enough and I hope you feel the same way right now. It's okay to think about this and cry and realize what you've accepted as truth for so long is a lie from Lucifer and his workers. What you accept as truth becomes the reality that you live in. But we can also rejoice today because God is so ready. Heaven is on edge, ready to destroy these lies today to prepare us for the next year and the rest of our lives. Truth is an interesting thing. It doesn't really become effective until you believe it and act on it. There was a story in the news a couple years ago about a family that had a giant rock in their family. It was sort of a family heirloom. The mom of the family had this rock and she kept it on her desk and it was just, it was really ugly. And they finally put it in the living room and the kids were like, can we just get rid of it? And she said, no, I'm not gonna get rid of it. So they left it. Years down the road, the mom passed and the kids got together and they started splitting up her estate. And one of the kids found the rock and he put it on his desk and he said, you know what? I'm just gonna go take this in and see what it is. He took it to a shop and come to find out that it was a $2.4 million diamond. It was just rough looking. It hadn't been cut. It hadn't been shined. It was just a raw diamond sitting there. It was a family heirloom and it had been passed down, but nobody knew exactly what it was. 
Before, the kids would look at the rock and they were just, it's an ugly rock. But now that they knew what it was, now that they knew the truth about it, they had $2.4 million and that rock really excited them. The words of the Bible could just sit on your desk, but what if you took it and tested it? What if the next time someone in your family gets sick, you said, you know what, where are you? Can I come pray for you? Because the Bible says that people get healed when I pray for them in Jesus' name. Truth becomes effective only when you believe it and act on it. I want to say that today, no longer are we going to keep living with these lies. If you've been writing down some of these lies, just look at it and say, you know what, I'm not living with this any longer. If you're in your car or you're walking or you're doing the dishes while you're listening to this, just think about what you've resonated with as I've been talking and say, I'm not living with these lies any longer. John 8.32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you go back to those lies, it'd be like that little boy in the story I told you at the beginning, finding out that he was the king's son, he was the prince, and being like, well, I'm just used to being poor and sleeping where the pigs are, so I'm just going to keep going back to that. It's not cocky of you to think, wow, I'm his son, I'm his daughter. He loves me, he loves me, he's for me, I have authority, I'm going to win in the end, I'm not going to be taken down by hell. I know the tactics now, I'm going to wake up with joy knowing that heaven knows my name and that I'm on the winning side. That is the attitude we ought to have. Today, I believe we're destroying and letting go of some of these lies and replacing them with the truth. What lie has been taking hold of your thoughts? What are some lies you've been living with? What has been whispered into your spirit that you've accepted as reality? What are you living out that has not come from God? What words resound in your head that you think are just there to stay? What's the lie that you need God's love to crush today? Really think about it. Ask God to help you spot the lie. If you've resonated with any of the lies I've called out, write that down and keep it at the forefront of your mind. When you're ready, say, I'm not gonna keep believing this. I reject this lie and I release myself from it. That may seem so simple, but it's an act of God to recognize that lie and replace it with the truth. If you feel bound today by lying, drugs, gossiping, pornography, alcohol, lust, it can all die today. You do what you need to do. Maybe later on today when you're home, you can go back through this podcast and try to identify the lies in your life that you need God to get rid of. I filled up nine flashcards the other day when preparing for this. I'm making up my mind. The devil will not win. I will win. Let the enemy know. I'm leaving. I'm not going to be bound. I'm going to be free. Heaven wants to help you break those lies. God will help you. Now, if you've never recognized your sin and turned from it today, today is your day. It's literally this easy. God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I'm not going to keep living like that. I'm changing. And once you repent, you want to bury the old life and have it washed away. If you've never been baptized in water to Jesus Christ in his name, today is your day. God promises to fill you with the Spirit and give you power to live a life of freedom and power over that sin. He'll fill you from the inside out and you'll start to pray in words that you don't understand. That's what he said would happen. It's not weird. You can let it flow from the deep part of your prayer. Today, you can change in an instant. If you need some help, please call our church office. The number is 714-771-7490. We'd be happy to guide you through this. God's plans for you are so much greater than you can imagine. If I were the devil, I'd be a little scared today that I'm losing ground right now, that my plan has been uncovered. Now here's the best part. The truth is just all those lies flipped. This year is going to be so amazing. You're going to be free. Your relationship with God is going to grow so much. Your friendships are going to grow. You won't be hindered by these lies any longer. I'm going to flip these lies now, and I'm going to read you the truth. And I want you to let them sink deep into your heart and your mind today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Here's the truth. Your faith is real. You aren't alone. You are enough. You aren't guilty. God is pleased with you. You can grow. You really are his child. You can pray for someone. You will be free. You have God's spirit in you. Your baptism did count. Your future is beautiful. This life isn't too hard. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is for you. People do love you. You are not a mistake. You aren't the only one struggling. 
the devil has no power over you, God loves your worship. God remembers none of your sins. God can use you. God will use you. You are completely forgiven. You will win. Jesus is for you. Jesus is on your side. God does hear you, and God does love you.